Saludo mi gente. Welcome to Dismantling the Fuckery, the podcast where we deconstruct the illusion and unleash the fabulosity. I'm your host, Gohenna Angelique, your fierce neurodivergent Juyurican poet and an advocate for decolonial liberation. So get ready to dive into the messy, uncomfortable, and transformative work of dismantling the systems of oppression and the limiting beliefs that hold us back. We're here to reclaim our power, embrace our magic, and rise into fabulosity. So grab your cafe, your te, I don't know, maybe you need a shot, and let's get into some fuckery. Saludo mi gente, welcome to Dismantling the Fuckery podcast, episode numero siete, number seven. Woo, Lord knows that to get to this moment has been a uh, production to say the least. My week has been so full of so many moments and so many, yeah. So let's dismantle some fuckery. Let's get into it. I wanted to talk about, and it has been sitting on my spirit with the exception that I wound up, it wound up not just sitting on my own spirit, that that bitch dropped so deep in it was shaking stuff up um <laughs> and so so it took me the whole like it's friday now and i yeah i have been almost very quiet this whole week because i've come to my own like having these fucking huge ass moments of reflection and introspection and somewhere between kind of um somewhere between <laughs> I, I don't want, I'm going to say losing my shit but it's not losing my shit I wasn't losing my shit I was just really having a moment of digging deeper to the questions that sometimes you can avoid one can avoid at least for myself and so Last Sunday, I went to see Oppenheimer. Um, I'll try not to talk too much about the movie itself if you haven't seen it. And before I say anything else about the movie or what's you know what's in the movie in terms of the um, the theme and all of the things, one, I am a big. I live in the multiplicity and the multi dimensions in a way that. I am able to watch a movie and I don't expect the movie to be exact. I don't expect shit to be perfect. I know that everything is propaganda and at the same time have a deep respect for cinematography and it continues to grow the older I get um, as an art form because it gives us visual and I'm a very visual person. Um, and so, and so do my gifts, my uh, spiritual gifts and my psychic gifts tend to work in a very visual way. So it is always a pleasure for me to see, um, the creation of something in that way in a, in a movie or video, etc. And so, so I hold it with a grain of salt and simultaneously appreciate the way that in our modern times and in this generation, uh, we also have movies telling uh, or giving perspectives that were not particularly allowed before. So there's just so much going on. Um, and so I'm in deep appreciation of it. 
And so my kids and I, we've been going to the theater. Uh, it's kind of like our daytime. We get together and we go and watch some sort of movie. So before that, I watched Barbie, you know, and so and before that, Guardians of the, I mean, we've been Guardians of the Galaxy. We've been hitting the theaters um, and enjoying it really and, and having a good time and simultaneously bawling like nobody's business. Um, because often enough there's, you know, the emotion and what we're witnessing in the movies is so thick and so deep. So now that I said that, let's get back to, um, Oppenheimer. One of the things I want to say about this is that the theme that I'm kind of pulling the thread of is something that's very present in my work and has been forever because of my own particular blueprint and, the lineage that I come from and the experiences that I come from that have informed the need to have conversations around the responsibility of leadership, the responsibility that we have when we create things in the world that are meant for others to become a part of and to inter inter interact or interface with. And for me, the reason why that work has been so important is because you can, as an individual person, you can get swept up in the societal structures um, around leadership and around the identity of a leader. I mean, for every fucking thing we have, we have an, you know, like for every style of leadership, we have opinions that are abundant. <laughs> in my head, I keep on thinking about, you know, like um, uh, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. <laughs> So in my head, I'm like, let's see this in another way, because I think that there are so many um, trainings and theories and mindsets and ideas around what it means to be a good leader, what it means to be perhaps a responsible leader, but it's still based on these external constructs and you can get swept up if you come from a lineage or particularly called a part of your purpose is to have influence at a large scale. So I often try to differentiate between, well, for me, leadership is the power of influence, right? That you have the ability to influence other human beings. And that may be in your family circle, or it may be in a larger scale where it's like outside your work, you know, you're inter interacting with community, you're interacting with um, fill in the blank, right? Groups of folks. There is a distinction and I never want to forget that leadership and the reason why I reoriented to the idea of having influence is because you are influencing in your home and that is as important as what you're trying to do outside of your home in terms of who you're being, your values, your ethics, right? Your why behind your showing up. Because growing up for me, watching leadership uh, in a spiritual context, right, or a religious context, rather, being something that people were really good at putting on the mask of like, I am important. Um, I have something to say. I've been assigned by the mass, by the tribe to be, you know, sometimes by the tribe to be the person who offers the direction. And there wasn't this idea of like, the transparency between the person and, and their leadership and the impact of their leadership and the accountability of the relationship that you have with people's lives that you get to touch, right? And so I feel like 
that stood out so much for me growing up that I became passionate about being a very transparent leader. I have a my my personal blueprint and my personal disposition uh, tends to, and it's not so much about like me taking control or any of those things for me. It's like what is needed in the moment. If what is needed is direction, and I and I perceive or I'm able to envision something that may be that may work for the the group at large. I will offer and or take action. Right, like I'm not going to sit around for the invitation to do something or take action. I do mind, like I'm like watching and I'm very careful about the dynamics of a group setting or whether it's an organization, an institution. I'm, I read all of that shit before I decide to get involved or do something, right? Because I think it's important, um, you know, that old adage of like, read the room. I think it's important to think about, um, how you're going to engage in offering a direction in a space that there may be many people with power or influence. And sometimes you may want to, you may believe that what you have to offer and what you're bringing is like the the shit, but it may not be the right time or it may be uh, confronted with a lot of resistance because there is a hierarchy or there is an unhealthy dynamic going on within the group setting, whatever it is, right? So I feel like you you have to be mindful so that you're not, one, stepping into dog shit, and then two, putting your foot in your mouth, which I pray those two things are not happening together at the same time because that's gross. So, right? So there's this part where for me, because I have often been looked to for leadership um, and often been looked to for influence or direction and guidance... I take that responsibility very highly. I do not take it lightly. I never have. Even when I was young and I was I had a lot of influence over my siblings. I took the responsibility of that seriously because I understood for myself that when you are trusted it's all about the trust. When you are trusted to offer support, to offer guidance, with the safety, the security, the mind, the spirit, the body of other humans and and other species, because I would say the same thing for pets, etc., right? Or our plants, the earth, you know, go on. Um, I think that that um, that vulnerability and that offering requires of us to be mindful about how we engage and the moves that we make and who we are in relationship to that. Right. And that to feed ego, like our identity, if there's an, a wound around identity, if there's a wound around um, like value, more often than not, that's how leaders become really toxic. Because if the wounds are actually not looked at and not tended to and there's not a healing process, an active healing process, you begin, what you see when there isn't this awareness is that leaders will begin to siphon off of whatever group they have influence, a personal identity that becomes then uh, this um, avatar that they step into and not one that they are actually in responsibility for and with and accountable for and with, right? And so what tends to happen is that there's a lot of that that chemical, and you see it, you'll see when a leader um, has uh, is drunk with power, 
or is is empty in terms of their personal identity and has put all the chips into how they're perceived by people because the longing to be important, to matter, to be valued has gone fucking amok because it's not being nourished or cultivated any other area of your life, right? And so for me watching this shit since I was a kid, I swear to you, it was since I was a child that I understood and I watched the dynamics and I could see that a person was presenting as strong, presenting as they know, presenting, fill in the blank, all the things, right? All the masks so that they can hold that position. But behind there was wanting, there was a lack of transparency, a lack of integrity, a lack of ethics. The conversations had not been had because uh, whatever the uh, the impetus for the creation of that position or how that person got to that leadership role was something that was very uh, perfunctory. Like, you know, there was this idea, this training, and now you, you are put in that role. And, and I think we all know, right? Like the supervisor, the manager, the, all of these people in higher, you know, the, your CEO, et cetera, these positions were created, their structures created, and you have to fit the bill in order to operate in that thing, right? And so because of a hierarchy, it gives people a false sense of power because the same ladder that took you up, baby, is the same ladder that could bring you down. The same grouping that puts you in that, in that prestigious, you know, role is the same group and that could cancel your ass out. So either way, you have to decide who you are in relationship to this role that you play and be very mindful around how much of your identity is shaped around that role. And it's hard. And and I want to say it's hard because If you long to feel connected, if you long to belong, right? If you long to have a sense of value or a contribution, a purpose, an impact, your wires can easily get crossed. And that's why I started, I have so many friends working in nonprofits and started asking them, this was years ago, if you were no longer doing that, if you were no longer the, you know, the, um, the director, if you were no longer doing the activist work that you're doing, if you weren't doing any of those things, who would you be? What would you be doing? And I cannot, I will not lie (laughs) that the answers often shocked me because they couldn't see themselves. And and so here's the distinction that I'm making with this. Um, Social justice work, Work that is meant to change the world that has now become a way we get paid, right? A way we move in the world, organizations and institutions, etc. They could not imagine themselves outside of that role. Outside of the, the, um, the, the reward of what it may mean to be an activist or be fighting for social change or being the difference or the change you want to see in the world. And they couldn't see themselves outside of the structure of a nonprofit. Right? Like there was no imagining for more. And that there is something about that to me that ever since I can remember. Now, you have to understand that I've been a mom since, well, let me say that I helped raise my siblings. So I don't, you know, I've been like a nurturer for, since I was born. Let's go there. 
because I remember I was like such a like animals and babies have always like when when I was a kid they were they attracted me so much I loved caring and nurturing and I did it with my dolls I did it with my Barbies um and my Barbie universe when I was a child because I played a lot with Barbies you know I'm that generation anyway um you know everything was about creating a family like there was always Ken was a husband Barbie was a wife, right? And there were babies, there were small little, you know, toddlers. And then eventually when the teen Barbies came out where literally I I was dying when I was watching the Barbie movie because I love when they talked about the Barbie that, you know, would stretch into, go from uh, prepubescent <laughs> body to like, then like a teen where you would like move her arm, her body would grow up and she would like get boobies, right? Um, it was hysterical. And so when they came around, those particular dolls then represented older siblings in my little, you know, family nucleus of Barbies, right? And so when I had my my first child, I was uh, 16, 17, you know, in between there. And so ever since then, like, all I knew all I wanted to be was a mom and realizing that as, uh, you know, my child was growing and then I had my second child that I had to be careful as much as I love mothering and I love nurturing and I wanted a whole bunch of kids. Um, true story. And as much as I wanted these things as I'm, and as much as I love um, my children and, you know, you could have left me in an apron. I, you know, I grew up as, as a Boricua. I grew up with the hearing that you know, I needed to be careful so that I don't want a barefoot and pregnant. And when I was barefoot and pregnant, I was a happy fucking barefoot and pregnant, right? Because I wanted to, I wanted to have kids. I wanted to have a family and I wanted to enjoy raising another human and being there for this process. When my children were, I want to say, you know, elementary age, I realized that there can be a danger in putting all of my value and identity into mothering in a way that puts pressure in that relationship and then later on makes it hard for the children to develop their own space, their own personality, and then empty nest is going to come around, right? Like that thing was going to happen. And I had seen so many moms struggle with releasing, struggle with creating enough space for this other human to become whoever they need to be. And that that process is going to be a process because they put all of their identity into that and they didn't know what else to do with themselves. And I saw the same thing with leadership. I saw people putting in so much. It was so easy to be that, to do that, to give yourself away in that way. But that also meant that the cost of it, the stakes were going to be fucking high for the people engaging with your shit, right? My kids and I often talk about the time of, uh, you know, when I started creating a little bit more space and communicating to them, right? Just that, that line so that they understood that part of this has to be them cultivating their own identity, their own expression, etc. I had to begin, it was like a runway. It was like a five-year runway. When I saw that I was getting closer to the stage in which they would need to exercise more of that agency and more of that thought, I started shifting to community work. I started shifting to, you know, doing things uh, outside the house because I knew that I had to be mindful myself because 
uh, being a mother was like, has been, is one of the most important roles that I do play to me, right? I, and, and for me, it looks and feels a particular way. But now that my children are grown, it is not a one dimensional thing. I don't just need to be the mother that I want to be. I also need to be the mother that they actually need at the stages of their life that they're in. You see that? And so there's this relationship that has the, it has reciprocity, but it has lots, lots of spaciousness to evolve, change and develop. And to me, leadership is the same thing. I'm here to guide. I'm here to lead. I'm a priestess. I'm here to offer the support, but I'm very careful to watch between um, my identity and who I am and how I find my value in the world in terms of my impact, right? What that looks like and the people on the other end of it. And some of those things are, you know, recognizing that transparency um, and vulnerability are really important to me. But there's a degree of privacy that is equally as important to me. Excuse me. And privacy in the way that if I'm in the middle of a process or in the middle of an exchange or something like that in my life, I'm not as transparent with it. And I'm not as transparent with it in the moment because it's so open and tender. And I'm, and I'm, um, I'm watching and tracking the influence, the impact of anything external into my internal being. So I had to learn that, you know, learn those kind of lines and those boundaries in a generative way so that my leadership can always be true to my values and my ethics. I also understood and took time to study and develop in terms of my mindset and in terms of my engagement, how do I offer direction, guidance, support while centralizing agency, the agency of people and helping them learn how to step into that rather than just following, right? Like I don't, I am very present as a person with how I step into the dynamic of like leading, initiating, moving forward or whatever the case may be and following, receiving and allowing myself to like, you know, rest in a per in a particular state. I had to cultivate that and 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 ask questions, right? And so ask myself questions about what did I want to be? How do I do this? How do I move as a leader? And for so long, I ran from it because I was terrified of the responsibility of leading someone in the wrong direction, of not knowing how to navigate. Um, and this is sometimes I tend to function like that. Like if I if I am unable to wrap my head around something or I can't deconstruct it to get to its core, I will put that thing on a shelf, shut it down. And if it's really terrifying for me, I will run in the other fucking direction until I can make sense of it. And if I can't make sense of it, then I'm, you know, I'm getting my running shoes on and we're just going to keep on going, right? Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come back to it because I don't know how to address it. So I don't touch it with a 10 foot pole because if I'm not ready to be responsible and accountable for my actions and my behaviors, then we all lose because I have to be able to give an account for my, the way I'm moving, right? So I ran from leadership for a long time because I was afraid of having an impact on others that would further 
uh, deep in wounds, core wounds, family wounds, all of that shit, which is so evident in this dynamic of the influence that you have and the larger the sphere of influence, the more potent that thing becomes where people may be, you know, coming to you. And, and part of that, that is part of leadership. That is part of being someone whose calling and or purpose is to bring medicine to the world or to create space for medicine and healing, et cetera, right? Or entirely like the creation of new worlds, right? There, it does, there is this part of moving and being that you, you must examine. You must be willing to look at what comes with it. It's not always the greatest thing, right? And what I mean by that is, and, and again, just in case... I always use myself as an example, not because I think I'm the shit. I mean, I, I don't think I'm not the shit, you know, <laughs> but because I have consent to use my story and I'm aware of my personal experience and I'm not trying to put my personal experience on anyone, but I can only share from the thing that I've walked in. Right. And you know that that's part of my ethic. I'm like, I'm not, I don't, I don't particularly want to <laughs> talk about anything that I don't know enough about or don't have enough interface or experience with. And so for me, I realize that there are moments where I have now human design, quantum human design, if you know anything about that, or astrology, I'm an Aquarius sun, you know, we're here to, uh, as humanitarians, we give a shit, but the shit, the, the way we give a shit is very distinct to each one. Um, you know, we're here to, to transform humanity with uh, a vision of what's possible in different ways, right? So... So that's a very present expression in my being, right? And in my quantum human design, my type is a heretic. Uh, my you know my my forward facing type is a heretic, and my secondary one is an investigator, right? So it's like it's the teacher, and so I love learning and I love growing, but I also have to deal with the fifth line projection field and how people may perceive me or not perceive me, right? Like it's like they're not looking at me, me. They're looking at whatever reflection, and that part of that is also going to involve not fucking liking me. And some people have all types of ideas about me that never fucking actually came from me. It came from what they perceive. And that's an experience for a lot of five, uh, fifth lines. Um, and so for me, realizing that that was going to be part of my, my leadership experience, part of how I'm showing up, part of the experience of um, uh, going out and being seen in that way, right? It took me a long time to make peace with that. A really fucking long time because it took me a fucking long time to realize that the experiences that I were ha that I was having, for the most part, right? You, this is not a generalization. For the most part, were because of a projection field, how people were perceiving me, and not necessarily that they were engaging or being with me, and that as a person who has experienced a lot of rejection, I had to be careful with how I was perceiving that man. That shit got into my system, and it has been very painful. And so I knew that having already had experiences like this when I was younger, it terrified the shit out of me. I was like, I don't want to fucking lead anybody any fucking way or do any fucking thing that had to do with leadership because I didn't want the responsibility of being accused of things that I wasn't actually doing because I wouldn't, I wouldn't even have the opportunity to defend myself, right? So having said that, observing these patterns and looking at these pieces... I had to arrive myself 
I myself had to arrive to a place where I was going to say yes and consent to the complexity of leading and guiding other humans. And that with that was going to come the the challenges and also the beauty. And that there is a way that I can do this thing while uh, supporting people to uh, affirm and empower them to operate in their agency. And that agency to me is the core of liberation. That's, that's, I mean, you know, like as an Aquarius, right? My, I'm an Aquarius sun, Taurus moon, Scorpio rising. Um, as an Aquarius sun, like I'm committed to that, man. I'm committed to you being your own fucking person. Ain't nobody need replicas. And also realizing that you do not want to be a replica of my fucking, like my, you know, my identity or my role. Because you have no idea what it costs both both ends of the thing, like, you know, the challenges and the beauty to be where I'm at. I can only gift you with reflecting to you the beauty of who you are, empowering you, like filling that shit up in, in terms of like, yo, this is, you are marvelous and beautiful, imperfectly perfect. And your job is to find your style, your way. And I'm going to help you do that. You, we, let's talk about it, right? Like, that's why my stuff is so intuitive. It is not structured in some sort of pattern that is, um, uh, you know, I, I, I do not train or do anything in the form of a process that allows you to move through it uh, predictably. Because to grow as a human, to evolve, to bring the, the fullest expression of your deepest being, it's going to require agility. It's going to require the ability to shift, to shape shift all of the things you want to think of in terms of um, being present and, and really uh, dynamic. And no program, no training that uses, that is... Um, uh, it's outcome oriented or, you know what I mean? Where it's like, just looking at like, we're going to give you these five skills and then you're just going to be able to do this. That, that formulaic ideology is not going to help us grow and evolve. We need motherfuckers. that are going to come back from a walk in the forest and say, you know, I learned from the cedar tree, this, that, or the other, that's going to help you. I don't know, fucking write your book, right? Like we need innovation, I have a high respect for innovation and agency. And so recognizing those things, I had to figure out how do I teach? How do I show up in a way that does that? How do I show up in a way also that who I am as an embodied person continuously growing and changing and holy shit, because I'm 47 and menopausing is like, it's saying hi, you know, that perimenopause is like here and menopause is saying hi from, you know, a distance. And I'm like, what in the fuck is happening? <laughs> There's changes happening in my life and to me and that who I need to be and how I need to be in this season I need to be able to grow and change and the things around me and the way I move in the world do the same with me. Not that that shit stays static and I'm over here like I'm, I have so much distance from my calling, my purpose, etc. that I've changed and nothing externally has changed. That to me is bananas. That, that worries me when I see that. If I see you 10, 15 fucking years from now and you're still like the external imagery is still the same, right? Your avatar or whatever is still the same, but behind the scenes, your life has entirely rearranged and changed. I'm like, uh-uh, there's a misalignment there and somebody got to tell you. <laughs> like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, you got to line that shit, bring that shit together, right? Like, 
as much as you're able to make sure that you have congruency, if, if at the least in your values and your core, right? You may move differently, but your values and your core should be the same in your work, in your personal life, in your bedroom, in your fucking, you know what I mean? Everywhere. That core, and, and this is where I think it's valuable to be able to do like those uh, personality tests, you know, quantum human design reading, all of that stuff, your astrology, all of it as tools that give you language for your inhabitation through seasons and cycles. Not the definition of, but the tools that give you language so that you can shape a life that can move and grow with you and a work that can move and grow with you. And so watching Oppenheimer, I'm coming back, don't worry, we're doing it. Watching Oppenheimer reminded me because the theme, one of the themes within that is the responsibility of creators. And what I mean creators, I mean that in the very broad way from, you know, uh, holding a baby in your belly to creating a business to fill in the blank, uh, to creating a, a painting, a poet, a poem, whatever, right? Whatever your creations are, you are responsible for them. You are responsible for them. What other people do with them is other people's responsibility. Because once, once they tap into that, they are responsible and accountable for how they are integrating the information into their lives. Because that's fucking agency. The minute you take something and you begin to use a concept, ideology, theory, whatever the thing is, as a base for your way of being in the world, now you have tapped into that energy and now you integrate it and make it yours. And it becomes a new thing. It becomes a new thing. But the, the origin of it, the anchor of its energetic texture of the values of the ideas that are held within whatever your creation is, that, that is uh, perpetual. So what I mean by that is that, for example, when we're looking at this movie, you know, we're talking about uh, a scientist, we're talking about scientists where, you know, Albert Einstein even is in the movie as well, right? And, um, and some deep conversations around, you know, quantum physics. I just, it was so beautiful and horrifying. Beautiful and horrifying, right? Horrifying that the best that we fucking have in this world is that when we create something that's extraordinary, when we are able to tap into the more than natural, like what we see, that thing, but we tap in into the, the dimensions or the matrix, whatever you want to call it, the energetic mapping of our world that the best we have is to want to harm each other with it. Like that's the, the level of basic and fucking ridiculous that that is to me was astonishing. Now, let me just tell you that I sobbed. When I mean sobbed, I mean, I try to, I knew that the movie was going to be intense um, because my eldest warned me, you know, they didn't think that I wanted to watch the movie because they, they heard already it was going to be intense. Um, but I wanted to because I I love uh, science and I'm in awe and wonder always of the natural world, right? Um, and the way I, I love that we know a lot about it. And I also love that there's so much to be known, um, but I'm fascinated by it. It's like one of the things that bring me an enormous amount of awe, the human body, all of those things. And so I sobbed. I cried so hard because for me, there's this part of understanding the impact of uh, what it means to one, harm humans, what it means to harm the earth, 
and the extraordinary pain in our humanity that is caused by ego, that is caused by misuse of power, um, that is caused by these things. And so that shit often wrecks me, you know, like in my head as I sit, like it literally hurts my soul when I see those things. And so I try to be mindful because usually that blows out my system. (laughs) Energetically, when I feel like that, it feels like I am drowning in an ocean of pain because I feel very keenly um, uh, the absence of hope and the struggle for it. And so watch the movie, whatever, like I leave the theater still sobbing, still blown away and still struggling with the fact that we live in a world where I'm like the next person do would love peace as imagined by no violence at all in the world as imagined by no need to harm all of those things but I also am very fucking aware that we do not live there yet and that war is part of our history and also our present and it's part of our future. And so the complexity of all of that is just so disheartening sometimes because the one thing I don't want to be and the one thing I do not want to engage with that I think can be very isolating is that when your ideology of peace, your desire for peace causes you to to unravel, discount, um what discount the the humans within these ideas the humans within these systems right and i think of things like you know and he, i'm going to go off on a small squirrel here because i can um <laughs> you know for example when we're talking about police and when we're talking about the fucking the toxicity the pain etc all of the things I absolutely agree that prison, so many, all of the things need to be dismantled, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, so much harm, et cetera. If you took police off the street, the least of your worries is going to be, (laughs) the least of your fucking worries is going to be some cop hopped up on some ego shit and some power trip. Like that's going to be the least of our worries because there is evil in the world. There are people who are harmful because wherever they have been broken, it cannot be repaired. And I say that very lightly because serial killers exist, psychopath exists, and we can go on and so forth. And I've, because I've worked in a prison, because I've experienced harm in my own life at the hands of others, I am keenly aware that the, that the world that I want to live in with peace is not yet here. And I still need to figure out how the fuck to protect myself. And I still have to figure out how to engage in systems or whatever that were meant, that were quote unquote meant for protection and are also enacting violence while simultaneously trying to figure out how to deconstruct our humanity so that we could tap back in. While we're on our way, we still need to figure out how to protect ourselves and each other from the harm that is very real and active, right? And so I do not want to live my life, though devoted to peace, like I'm committed to a world that we can be the best of ourselves. But yet I I also recognize, based on some of my interactions with some of the darkest humans, that 
there may not be a re rehabilitation. And if that person is let out of the of a prison cell, they will do, they will commit that crime again. They're beyond beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's not a question. That doesn't live in some sort of speculation. There are some people who evil has made a home inside of, right? And so I say all of this because I think that often enough, we we want to... We want to take positions that also dehumanize the very people who live under the illusion that we're trying to deconstruct, meaning that the, the, oh my God, I often, these, these conversations, they are hard because this is my personal belief and my personal experience and my personal perspective, right? You don't have to believe it, but when I look at uh, soldiers and when I look at police officers or when I look at people within these systems that are meant to be pr protected, whatever, right? Fill in the blank. Um, whatever Because they live in a different reality than I live in, in terms of perspective, hope, perspective, hope faith, etc. Values, all of the things. Because they live in a different reality, they think that they're signing up for that shit because it's the honorable thing to do. If I had a dollar for every man that I've come across that has signed up for any particular, uh, you know, military protective thing because of wanting to serve or because of honor or because of wanting to be that hero, right? And this is sans like some of the other things where some people just get it because it's the easiest job to get, right? That's real too. Far, I know far too many young men who signed up for the army because they were trying to either make money, find something to do or needed to support their family. And that was the easiest thing to do was to enlist in the services. So that's real too, right? So so the, the people that are doing this for a sense of what they call patriotism or honor, I do not want to discount. I do not want to shit on either. I want to hold them accountable. I want to hold them responsible. I want to ask questions. I want to be able to say that what was done is shit and has had a harmful impact. But I do not want to discount the ways their own wires are all fill in the blank. And that the motive can as well be something that they perceive to be pure, right? And something that they perceive to be like, this is what I'm here to do. This is what I'm meant to do. This gives me something. I can't look at that. I can't look away from that. And I can't look at that and still, you know, dagger the shit out of it, out of the person, right? When the, there's such a larger construct. So that's a little squirrel. I'm going to come back because that's my personal opinion and watching this movie and being reminded that we still live in this world. We still live in a world where we can be bombed. I don't know what one you're living in, but we have a world where that can still happen. We have a world where there's still even natural disasters taking out people. We live in a world that there's still people going hungry. And then there's people that are not going hungry. People who ha do not have a roof over their head, right? We live in that world in so many different ways. And I cannot, I will not, I will not one dimensionalize that regardless of sometimes my own personal temptation to do so right? Can't do it. So, and that doesn't discount the harm. It doesn't discount all of the things that are equally as true. So watching this and sobbing over it and, and having that experience of like, my goodness, we still live in a world that this is an experience. And so that always moves me deeply, but also the responsibility of 
in this particular setting, in this movie, where there's this conversation around, or at least for me, as I'm observing a scientist discovering and working toward like it's their brightest imagination about something. There has to be more. How do I find more? Right? Like they fucking geniusly up geniusly obsessed with whatever their particular field is, which is what they're here to do. They're here to teach us more about that, right? Which is why they're so geniusly obsessed uh, obsessed with it. Uh and what I mean by genius, I mean fucking like geniuses, like you th- to wonder about the cosmos, about energy, about quantum physics, right? Like physics, period. To wonder about the operation of the body, to wonder about what 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 are, what are veins made of. To have a fascination is is to me a very holy thing, a very sacred thing. It's like, oh, you love that. Tell us, teach us more. You want to find out more. That's beautiful. And so that curiosity and that wonder eventually can become weaponized that is so that was so painful to me right like watching this you know it's a movie it's a fucking movie right but watching the complexity of this thing where you want to create a thing you are you are you're exploring the greatest or the most beautiful possibility that can exist and that that thing can also be impactful in such a way that can cause harm that you cannot undo or take back. What do you do with that? What do you do with when as a leader, right? When as a person with so much influence and bringing so much beauty and and particular texture to the world that we live in, your words, your teachings, your, your ideas, your creations then become weaponized in someone else's hands. And that at the end of that, your contribution is diminished or minimized to some sort of um, some sort of like, uh, some sort of, we're going to celebrate you, but we're going to remember you for, uh, you know, maybe perhaps the ways you fucked up, but also thank you for your contribution that we extracted and entirely changed. And you got shitted on as a part of that. Like the, the idea that your, your life's work can be reduced at the end to uh, nothing or that the thing that you love the most did not love you back. And what I mean by that is that if you've been committed to doing something passionately, but have suffered in the process of and wound up unsupported, uncared for, untended, right? Like all of the things ignored, diminished, minimized, what then? If your greatest offering to our humanity was not seen, valued, and heard, that struggle is real, right? That challenge is real. And this movie kind of sat in my bones in that way that the following days, as I looked at certain experiences that I'm in the process of, or like it's like shifting in my life, I had to ask myself some questions um, about what I think my purpose is and what I think I'm here for. And could I be wrong? is uh, I don't question my impact. Uh, Please know that I don't question my impact in the world, right? Or my impact in the people that I love or you here or anybody else for that matter. Um, But I think that sometimes we run from the deeper questions of, is this still a fit? Is this actually what I'm here to do? And how do I know? And what is the, where am I in this? 
where so I could be fighting for liberation, but do I experience it in my life? I could be fighting for healing, but am I experiencing it in my life? I could be encouraging you and supporting you and amplifying you, lifting you up. Am I experiencing that in my life? I could give you the shirt off my back. I could give you, et cetera. You know, like I could give you all of those things. Am I receiving those things myself or am I going without? And to really ask yourself, could you be wrong? Is possibly to me one of those terrifying questions. And I was like, am I wrong? I've been in such struggle and in such battle for a really long time. Going through an enormous amount of experiences, struggling in ways that I had not imagined. Do I still believe that this is my purpose and my calling? Right? And and that's where I start using the language. Does it love me back? Not just in like the appreciation, right? But does it sustain me? Does it nourish me? Does it feed me? Does it, am I in this equation also supported, seen, valued, and heard, right? And to ask that from a place of uh, classically being a person who I don't give with strings attached. And I mean that I'm not counting. I'm not making sure that you give back to me. I do notice when I'm deep in a struggle, I notice who's next to me. I notice who's noticing. I notice who's not so that I can adjust my expectations accordingly, right? And that's coming from a place of having experienced betrayal, pain, and all of those things. And so I think that when we're looking at leadership and we're looking at our how we're engaging in the world, how we're showing up, the impact we're having, the responsibility and the accountability to include ourselves in that conversation requires us to really step into examining and asking the fucking hard questions, not just bulldozing your way through everything. Now, you must know about me this far um, or thus far that I giving up or releasing and they'll say like I, giving up is very challenging for me. Um, I'm built, I'm a manifesting generator. I'm built like a workhorse. I can keep on going and going and fighting for what is correct or what is generative, etc. Uh, fighting for what is good and holy and sacred in this world, right? Like I'm that person rooting for the underdog. I'm the underdog. I come from the underdogs, right? I know what these things are, right? It's like, and so really being able to ask myself questions when it's the things that I love the most, to me is part of the accountability. To me is part of the responsibility. And earlier this week, this is why this podcast took me so long. Earlier this week, I had a moment again, and I've had these moments these last past couple of years in in different ways where I'm asking myself, I'm questioning in the same way I questioned my mothering, in the same way I questioned my partnering, my daughtering, my sistering. I question myself. Now, there's ways that I've been uh, unhealthy with that because I've taken on too much information from others, right? The projection field or believing um, people who are speaking to me from their own ego and shit like that, right? Not discerning the difference. And so you have to, you have to be able to separate that um, and be careful that you're not just taking on those, that shit. And that when you start asking yourself questions is because you're using other people's reflections as that. The way I'm saying this and the way I had to, I had to like break it the fuck down. And when I mean break it the fuck down, I mean that shit was painful as shit. 
uh, to say, okay, I've been saying this is my calling and my purpose. I've been showing up in this particular way. These are the experiences I'm having. This is what is not happening for me. This is what is happening for me. I did it. I do the same thing with my mothering. I do the same thing with all my things. Like, who am I being in this? What are my values? Are they actually being lived out? Um, is the relationship generative or is there a part of me that's shut off in the relationship, et cetera, right? Like I have to ask. I don't generally want to assume that I'm always on the money about shit because I understand that I too, full of human complexity, working, continuously working through my own shit, right? And showing up for that shit that I too am not, that I am also impacted by my experiences, and that that can change my perception, et cetera, my mindset. So to ask yourself, you know, to that is to me is accountability. That is that to me is responsibility, right? So like as a mother, and I think I've shared this as a mother, I look at the fact that I say to myself, okay, you know, this is the mother that I've wanted to be. This is the mother, mother that I am. This is what's important to me about mothering, et cetera. Am I in 100% congruence and alignment in that? Am I sharing of myself in this equation, right? And also I have to give space. I create space for the experience that my children have had of me. And that that, that experience is directly related to their perception. There's some things that I may take on where I'm like, you know, yeah, that's true, right? Like, because I may not see it that way, but that's how it was experienced. The impact was that. I have to be able to be fucking able to, this always freaks me out because I'm like, I don't know how a parent cannot, there's one thing when, you know, whatever the healing process is and somebody's like fucking berating you, beating you up emotionally over shit. I'm not talking about that shit. That shit is whack. Um, you have to set a boundary. I'm talking about the actual being able to say and hear your child say things to you that, that are so painful because of how they experienced it and it was at your hands. You have to be able to own that shit. Now, you don't have to, like, you have to be able to own it. And there's also going to be moments where the reflection is not an accurate one because there's not enough information. So you have to be able to own that and say that and speak to that, right? You can't, it's not either or, it's both and. And so to be able to be accountable in your leadership, accountable for your creations at whatever level that that shows up at, whether it's in your home life and your small, you know, your small little uh, village, or if it's in the larger world, you have to be able to fucking check in and give an account to yourself. Is how I'm moving, how I'm being, how I'm showing up in the best um is it is it in the best way? And I mean that like in a good way, in in the way of being aligned with your values and ethics and impacting in an ethical and valuable way, right? Like in a true way. And I mean true as in T-R-U-E and the true word uh entomology of true, right? It's like aligned and balanced, right? Um, congruent, right? And so you have to, I mean, I say have to, because to me, I don't understand what the fuck are, what is, what is anybody doing if you're not examining? And the examination really getting in there microscopically is not to like judge, is not to um, fucking berate yourself, demean yourself, diminish yourself. It's not to, it's not to do self-flagellation. And don't get me wrong. I have, I'm, can lean in that direction sometimes far too fucking much, right? Because I'm trying to figure out the balance of my own accountability and responsibility. 
figuring out where uh, certain experiences and situations have impacted me in a way that they have changed me and I was unawares. Uh, or where there's parts of me that are still not, uh, haven't come to the light for me to uh, bring medicine to it. So there's a wound there, but I can't quite access it because it's hidden, right? And hidden because it's not ready. It's too tender for me to really like look at because I might just be too harsh with it. So I may hide shit for myself. And I know this sounds kind of out there, but there's a truth to that. I think that that's why our psyche hides things from us or we don't remember something. And then all of a sudden we get this fucking trigger that brings back memories. Why? Because when it happened, you may not have had the capacity to deal with it. So the psyche said, we got to put this shit away because it's going to fucking, it's, it's, it, we, we don't even know what to do. We're frozen, right? So it puts it away and you're unconsciously acting from this place. And this place is informing. You don't quite understand it until later on when there's just a little bit capacity. This shit comes out out of nowhere. A trigger happens. It comes out out of nowhere. And then you're like, what in the baby fuck was that? Right? Like, what the fuck? Where did that come from? I thought I fill in the blank or I didn't realize that I believed or experienced, right? So being able to to ask those questions and being able to be with yourself in that way can only be transformative to leadership and influence as a whole and to the world as a whole because it doesn't separate you from the very thing you're showing up for, the very thing you're doing or whatever you're perceiving or, or rather, and... Whatever changes need to be made, how do we shift? How do we course correct if something may be misaligned? How do we begin to examine and test? A personality test ain't going to do that shit all the time. You have to actually allow yourself a process of observation um, that is uh, both um, objective and subjective. (laughs) Right? You have to dance between both. And and we haven't been taught to engage in our lives that way. And so a lot of our movement and a lot of what's showing up now in the world is about teaching us to reconnect to the possibility inside of us that's able to hold the complexity of our humanity. That's able to say, wait a minute, I think that these particular skill sets or gifts that I have are really great. And over here, wow, I'm, (laughs) you know, my thought process, my action, my understanding is real shit. Right? How do I know? Because how I maybe be with myself or be with another. It becomes less about perfection. It becomes less about uh, presenting as someone who's infallible and who will not fuck up. And it becomes more about the transparency and the vulnerability of our humanity that is always in the act of healing and transformation, arriving and becoming all of those things, right? It becomes all of those things. And when we're there, then we don't have to fucking like, you know, uh, slaughter each other emotionally, mentally, or physically for that matter, right? We don't have to do those things or engage in those practices because we're not having expectations of others that we do not own ourselves and we do not own expectations of others that they do not own themselves. Surprise. And when we do that, we could do some work. Right, we can we can show up and transform this experience and return to not only our reconnection to our own like multiplicity and complexity, but to your own agency. Instead of comparative, instead of measuring against somebody else, instead of using somebody else's life as the metric for your inhabitation, you own that shit. You're with that shit. You're accountable for it. You're watching what you create because you understand that you are engaging in other people's creation and the impact that it's had on you. 
And you're also able to differentiate where you are adding to something and where you cease to engage in a particular whatever it is, right? Like you may do, for example, let me give a short example. I am in love with quantum human design, specifically quantum human design. I'm very specific about that because human design in its in its shape and, and how it preceded comes has a particular texture and a particular focus. Quantum human design, I mean, you know, everything evolves and changes. And so I like quantum human design, but so and trained as a as a reader right and continue to grow with this i don't, I don't see it like people see it i'm not and i'm not interested in being um a parrot of something not my dig i'm just it's not my dig y'all it's not my dig i don't verbatim shit i i can't afford it anyway my memory won't allow me to do that having said that on the other side of that street is that i have no interest in that i have no interest in making one thing my god if that makes sense, right? Um, I have an interest in the alchemy process that is a result of having many tools and coming to many wisdoms and primarily centering the one that is moving through you, right? So, and some of that doesn't have like, you know, 12 months to become a fill in the blank. (laughs) So when I look at quantum human design as an offering that I share now, right? I'm looking at it as a tool that helps give more language, but not as the center of my all being, right? I appreciate the work that's been done. I appreciate the training that I took. And I'm able to look at that and say, okay, well, I do not become a parrot of Karen Curry Parker, who is, uh, who, whose training I took in order to, um, and I'm in the process still of finishing another aspect of it, right? Like, or whatever the journey is, right? I'm not looking, I'm not saying that that work is shit and I'm not using every one of her words either, that's just not how I rock. So al- alchemizing that into becoming part of a tool, not the master, not the center, not the end all, not the thing that I'm trying to fit myself in, transforms the way I show up and allows me to be accountable and responsible for my shit. And because I've been trained in a particular thing, I'm able to be accountable and responsible with my interaction with that as well, honoring the work that she does, honoring her agency, honoring what is uh, the boundaries around her work and naming that and dancing with that as a way of honoring what she brings. But I'm not looking to become her. I'm not looking to, you know, uh, put her under the microscopic lens. That's not what is She's doing her work and I'm doing mine. And when I'm clear about mine, I'm able to respond to mine. I'm able to understand what this will, how this will impact my work, how it will be of service, how I can play with it. And I can also say, I honor the work that she brought and the, uh, I'm clear about her why. I'm clear about the, the grounding of the anchor of her relationship to her creation. Making sure that as I move with it, I'm not exploiting, I'm not extracting, I'm not diminish, you know, I'm not fucking around like that. I'm not engaging. I'm being responsible. I have the ability to respond for the part that I take in. And I also am clear about her responsibility and her accountability for her words and her actions and her creation. And so all of this to say that. I mean, I've all of this to say, like, I, I don't need that. I don't think there needs to be a point. Having said that, I want to invite you to a deeper inquiry around where are you being accountable and responsible with your leadership? How are you doing that? Where is that showing up? Where is it not showing up? Why? 
Are there pieces that you're afraid to look at? Have you looked at what you said is your purpose, your calling, your direction, and asked the hard questions? Are you sure that that is what you're called to do and that is your purpose? How do you know? And if somebody came tomorrow knocking on your door and asking you for an account or asking you to be responsible, will you know the line between you and that person? Will you be able to take responsibility, accountability, and also be able to set the boundary for where maybe some unhealthy dynamics and negotiations are going on? where there may be a crossover, where the person may not be in their agency and you must remind them rather than go in the opposite direction and just be overly responsible because I've been there too, right? Ask yourself the questions about who you are, where you're going, have the courage to face if, if it did not exist, if you did not be or do this thing, who would you be? Who are you? If you create this thing, if you follow the thing that is lighting you up magically because it is what you are here, you feel you're here to transmit, to bring into being, are you in relationship with that in such a way that you set it up in such a way that has ethics and integrity that cannot be weaponized or used, right? And if it is, then it wasn't because you innocently put this very powerful thing out there without acknowledging that that fucking thing is powerful and that equally, in equal measure, power is going to rise up to meet it. I think about this when it comes to being seen as a person, right? I'm me. I'm not, I am not the type of person who generally enjoys being seen, some people believe that and some people don't believe that. If you don't believe that, not my problem. <laughs> if you know me, then you know that I don't look for the center of attention. It's not my thing. And I'm not criticizing that because I think that some people are really good at that and are magical in that way that, right, they are bringing something by bringing that type of light, right? And we also know that can be toxic, egoic shit on the other side of that. Having said that, if I, if I, constantly engage with my life in a way that I'm like, I don't want to be seen or I'm trying to hide or I'm trying to whatever, because obviously I've, I've, I've run from something, right? I've run from particular things because I don't want the spotlight or I don't want the experience of that. Well, if I'm running from it, then I'm underestimating its power. I'm also not going to be ready for the response or for the reaction to the power of that thing, because I refuse to be seen and acknowledge that I will be seen. So if you create things and you refuse to acknowledge the responsibility that you have in creating that, it is easy for you to put it out in a way that it does not have the anchors. It does not, it's not anchored in values that allow it to both uh, be protected and simultaneously where people can engage with it with agency and then pe people can walk away from it if it doesn't align. Right. And that, that, that's not a, personal thing if somebody doesn't align with that shit they could go somewhere else and find something else but that you have been responsible with your creation not only by acknowledging its power and its capacity but also by setting the boundaries necessary for it and then also being willing to release it when somebody's extracting it and then misusing it and contorting it right that you're able to see the distinction between what you created and what somebody else is uh fucking distorting and know the difference and be able to be accountable for that. And what I mean by that is being able to say to that, um, I may have taught this, but this is what you perceived and this is what you did. Here's the difference. The difference is this, that, and the other. How do I know? Because I am present and aware with my creation. I know its power. I know how it can be distorted. 
And so when it is, I'm not surprised. I'm not taken aback by it. You know, and if I'm attacked for something that I actually did not distort, then I can say that's not my distortion. I did not. This is where the alignment is for me. This is what I said. This is how I move. These are the ethics and the values that inform my creation. I don't know what the fuck that thing over there is, but it ain't this. See that? And that that's not power tripping. That's not that's responsibility for what you create in the world and the impact that it has. Your dreams becoming reality, your reality being your dreams, you are still responsible. You are still the person who's going to give an account for that. And so it's time to be eyes wide open with it in the same way that I had to go through a torturous week this week <laughs> and being like, you know, am I supposed to be doing this? How am I doing? How, how the fuck am I doing? Am I okay? Are things okay? Or am I over here trying to, you know, priestess liberation um, out of my imagination? <laughs> and what it's costing me is my own imprisonment. I, I have to ask. I have to evaluate. I have to check to the core and the source of things. Whether I like it or not, whether I discover something that I like or not. But it's fucking mine. I'm owning it. I'm going to be with it. So I hope that you can do the same thing. Give yourself some opportunities to ask yourself the fucking questions that are going to terrify the shit out of you. Things like being wrong. Things like being misaligned. You know what I mean? Things like, I don't know, maybe, 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 just maybe. It was my imagination, right? Unlikely, but ask the fucking question. Face it, because what you don't face, you'll run from. What you run from will find you. What finds you will unwind you. <laughs> and in that process, in that process, you will not be able to be present. You'll be reactive. You will not be able to respond because you don't want to look at some of the darkest shit that's living inside of your own psyche. So that's all I have to say. <laughs> in a nutshell <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure the more will bubble up um if you haven't if you haven't uh checked out i've shifted some of my services and some of my stuff so be sure to go on and check in my social media if you're uh if you follow at priestessing liberation or go to priestessingliberation.com work with me and you'll see the way the services have shifted a bit um and its organization and also the prices um so I hope to see you. Oh, wait, here's the really, the, the really beautiful thing is that I've been doing most of my stuff online in terms of healing sessions and stuff like that, but I will be doing them locally in person. So yay for that. And we'll see how it all goes. Um, I'm hoping to have, build a really solid clientele. Uh, but again, we'll see. So if you're local and you're listening to this and you would like a healing session or uh, some uh, liberatory life coaching or a tarot reading, you know where to find me. And also, if you ain't subscribed to my Substack, what are you doing? Um, yeah, like, what are you doing? Like, why? What's up? What's good? What? What you? Wh why don't you come in? Come closer. Um, let's see what happens when you come closer. And also, you know, there's a free uh, version of the Substack, and then there's also the paid. I recommend becoming a subscriber, of course, and doing the paid version because that's where you're going to get access to some of the juicy stuff. So I love you. Blessings to you. I hope that your day goes with sweetness. It is Friday. Um, so Shabbat Shalom. Uh, if you observe Shabbat, and if not, be sure to take some time this weekend to wind down 
take it nice and slow and gentle and uh, let's continue to dismantle the fuckery and uh, unleash your fabulosity no be morita adio bueno mi gente thank you for joining me on this wild and liberating journey of dismantling the fuckery remember we are the architects of our own liberation and if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to like subscribe and share it with your people do all the things you know what it takes for us to keep these frequencies rolling together we will transform the world from a place of fuckery into a realm of unapologetic fabulosity Stay fierce, my loves. Stay fabulous and keep dismantling. And if you want me or need me, yes, you heard me say that right. You know where to find me at priestessingliberation.com. Nos vemos ahorita. Adiós.